you'll go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. How many of you had a good Thanksgiving? A couple of you. That's awesome. How about them cowboys? Yeah, that got you going. Forget about the family and Thanksgiving. Mention the cowboys and the place just gets fired up. I want to talk today um, maybe a little less intense than last Sunday as we talked about the revealed glory of God. I do appreciate the opportunity and the privilege, um, the trust from Pastor Jeff uh, allowing me to stand in, in his pulpit and, um, and uh, preach and teach the Word of God. I want us to consider today in, from Ephesians 5 and also from 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, a, a, a proper perspective on Thanksgiving. There's some, an outline on the back of your bulletin if you got one when you came in. I want us to think about a lifestyle of Thanksgiving and not just a day. Um, ha- having a life, uh, a culture, personal culture, a family culture, maybe even a business culture if you're a manager or a leader, either formally or informally in your company, uh, maybe at school, if, if you're a leader there uh, out front or behind the scenes, uh, of creating a lifestyle, a culture uh, of thanksgiving um, in our lives. Um, and being thankful, uh, hopefully not this year, but even uh, being thankful when the Cowboys aren't so good, so, um, or, or whatever the circumstance. In Ephesians um, chapter 5, well, let's look at verses 19 and 20. Ephesians 5 verses 19 and 20. The Apostle Paul is writing here, and he's writing to the church at Ephesus, and this is, you know, 55, uh, 60 A.D., somewhere in there, uh, give or take a year or two, and um, he's, he's speaking about, he's speaking to them about all sorts of practical lifestyle issues. In fact, if you just look at the headings, chapter headings in, uh, in, in the book of, Ephes- uh, of Ephesians uh, to the church at Ephesus, there's some doctrinal looking titles as well as uh, his specific prayers for them about the uh, practical aspect of unity, uh, of living in their blessings of being children of light. Uh, there's even some teachings in there specifically to husbands and wives and, and, to, and to children as well and to fathers. And, and so in Ephesians 5, uh, verses 19 and 20, he says this, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's not talking about, you ever have those really just over-the-top, super spiritual friends? You ever had anybody that? They were always talking in Christian phrases, you know, and just kind of with that cheesy, how you doing, brother? Well, hallelujah, good to see you, man. Praise the Lord. You know, you're a good, good father, Paxton. It's who you are. It's who you are. You're a good, good guitarist, Paxton. Yeah, I mean, you ever have somebody like that, that that was always talking in religious cliches? And, and not just one or two a day, but like the, the consistency of their conversations with you was just a little, just kind of magoo. You know what I mean? And it just kind of rubs you the wrong way. Is that what you think the Apostle Paul's talking about here? In Ephesians 5, 19 and 20. Look at it again. Speak to one another. It's a, it's a command. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Again, a command to sing and make music in your heart 
to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think he is. I think he's talking about a lifestyle of thanks, a lifestyle of walking in, as we looked at last week, a lifestyle of walking in what is already ours through the gift of salvation, uh, through the Lord Jesus and in the presence of his Holy Spirit uh, in our lives. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, a few pages a few pages over to the right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll look at verses 16 and 18 as we sort of scripturally set the table uh, for a few encouragements about having a lifestyle, a culture, a proper perspective of thanksgiving in our lives. Ephesians 5, 16 to 18. Again, here's some more commands. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, there's several times in Scripture where it says, it is God's will that. It is God's will sh- that you should. It says it right here. Um, this is God's will, this thankfulness, this praying continually. In fact, the joy and the thanks in all circumstances, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not all of God's will, but it's a big piece of God's will that in our lives, we have a lifestyle of thanksgiving, of being a person who is, who is thankful. But you may wonder, how can we have an attitude, continual attitude, especially in all circumstances? And as I mentioned at the beginning, I think, I think the key is our pro- a proper perspective on a lifestyle or a culture of thankfulness. You may have heard this. A young lady wrote home to her parents from college, Dear Mom, I'm sorry I haven't written sooner. My, mom, my arm... Uh, was broken pretty badly. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had the fire. We were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department, and they were there in just a few minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days, and Paul, that's the service station attendant, he came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dorm livable again, I moved in with him. You know, he's been so nice, and however, I must admit that I'm pregnant, and Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine, and I'll, I will write more when I get the chance. Love your daughter, Susie. P.S., none of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology, and I flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive this news in its proper perspective. <laughs> C's, C's and even F's from our college kids. They come in a different package when we compare them to, uh, to, to something else. We're commanded to be thankful in all circumstances, but we, we, need a, we need a proper perspective of our circumstances. Now, if you're taking notes, it's there in your outline. I want to give you three attitudes that I think can keep us from being thankful as a lifestyle. Three attitudes that can keep us from being thankful. And, and don't worry, I know that many of you have been on vacation all week. There's not a lot of blanks there, so do your best, and uh, I think I can, I've helped you there to, to be able to keep up. The first attitude that can keep us from being thankful is our pride, is our pride. Some of you in this room worked for everything you have. You, you, if you're a, a man of faith, uh, it's not because somebody raised you in a, a home of faith. You, you've established that part of your family tree, and you're a man of God, and you've established that family of faith that maybe didn't come before you. 
Maybe your parents didn't send you to college or put a business into your hands or create a, a real positive environment for you to be successful. And you might be one of those guys this morning that says, you know, I've pretty well worked for everything I've got, and I've even created an environment for my family to be uh, a one that serves the Lord. And if we're not careful, that work ethic that maybe we didn't inherit, but we began in our family trees, that can become a source of pride for us. And it can say, nobody gave me anything that I have. I've worked for everything that I have. I earned everything that I have. It's, it's, it's by the grace of God, but I'll tell you, I did my part. And if we're not careful, that seed of pride can turn into an attitude of pride, and that pride can overwhelm the environment for us and instead of an environment and a lifestyle of thanksgiving, we can have a, a pretty prideful uh, situation going on in our lives. Pride can keep us from having a proper perspective. A second attitude that keeps us from being thankful is a critical spirit or constant complaining. A critical spirit or constant complaining. Now, don't raise your hands or elbow anybody in the room if you're sitting near someone like this. But how many of you know somebody who just seems to complain about everything? I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in their life. They're probably complaining about it. It was 80% better than last year, but boy, it wasn't 100% better yet. You know, things turned around 180 degrees, but they, they didn't get going with the kind of momentum that I needed. There's some people that are never happy. They're constantly complaining, constantly having a critical spirit. Now, some of you are like, I think that might be me, but you may have been raised by one or more people that were always that way, and that's just really hard to overcome, isn't it? In fact, without the Holy Spirit doing something on purpose and intentional in your life, as you put yourself in His hands, to fine-tune that part of the way that you were raised and what you watched, that constant complaining and arguing, it is very, very difficult to overcome that attitude and that spirit. If you were raised with decades of complaining and arguing and being critical about things, it's not going to overnight turn into a miracle in your life. Now it can, but can I tell you, in 30 years of ministry, I've almost never seen it done in a miraculous way. It seems to be a daily walk with God, with the Lord Jesus inside through his Holy Spirit, of him purifying out of you that spirit of complaining and being critical. And, and as he flushes that out, he replaces it with thanksgiving and praise, all right? But that's a second, a second attitude that can keep us from having a lifestyle of thankfulness. A lady known as an incurable grumbler constantly complained about everything. At last, her pastor thought he had found something about which she would be happy because her farm crop was the finest for miles around. When he met her, he said with a beaming smile, you must be very happy, Mary. Everyone is saying how healthy your potatoes look this year. True, they're pretty good, but what am I going to do when I need bad potatoes to feed the pigs this winter? It's kind of cheesy, but you get the point, don't you? A critical spirit, constant complaining can keep you from having a lifestyle of thanksgiving and praise. Well, a third attitude. A third attitude that keeps us from being grateful is just sort of carelessness, just sort of laziness, spiritual and mental laziness. Somebody once said if the stars only came out once a year, 
If the billions of stars in our universe, we talked last week about Betelgeuse to the right of the constellation Orion, if the billions of stars in the universe only came out once a year, most of us would stay up all night gazing at the stars that one night of the year, wouldn't we? But they're out every night, and out here on the prairie, we have a pretty good perspective on the, on the glory of God's creation, and yet we can become careless and calloused, and the, the curse of familiarity with God's glory revealed in the heavens can settle into our lives. I mentioned manna burgers last week. You remember the wanderings of God's people in the wilderness. There, there, was, no, there was no food, no running water, um, very little wildlife, and God began to feed them with manna which was kind of a thin crust of bread. They would basically get up in the morning except upon the Sabbath, and there would be the fresh manna. They were only to gather enough to eat for that day, except as they came into the Sabbath, and then they could collect enough for that day and the Sabbath. And God provided for them in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they had manna kebabs, and they had boiled manna, and they had every kind of manna that Bubba Gump would describe, you know, uh, in the wilderness, but they... That gift from God, that very powerful gift from God, they began to grumble and complain and to get careless with the blessings of God. Those attitudes can keep us from having a lifestyle of thanksgiving and praise in our lives. Well, I want to give us from our text three truths in the next few minutes, three truths that we need to remember, that we need to learn if we haven't learned it yet, in order to create an opportunity for having a lifestyle or a culture of thanksgiving in our lives. One of the choruses that we used to sing all the time from Psalm 100, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. You remember that chorus? I will enter his courts with praise. Remember that? I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. You remember that? He has made me glad. All right, I knew that one or two of you would get that. That's awesome. The first truth is this. Thanksgiving should be expressive. It should be expressive. He said in, in Ephesians 5.19, speak to one another. Speak to one another. Now, we're not going to rehash what Pastor uh, Paxton delivered a few weeks ago about speaking the Word of God. and Our pastor spent some time earlier in the year on that very subject, but, but it we can't overstate the fact that we have to speak thanksgiving into our lives if it's going to become a lifestyle, a lifestyle change for many of us. I played basketball for a guy who thought he was Bobby Knight Jr. Remember Bobby Knight used to coach at Indiana and then was at, at Tech for a while. Coach Wagner, I loved Coach Wagner looking back. Uh, I, I, I sort of hated him at the time. He was, man, he was a crazy hard teacher in economics and uh, just, a, just a powerfully... A smart but very hard-nosed basketball coach. Now, he told us, guys, you're going to see me sometimes uh, say some ugly things to the referees. But you're never to do that. You're to have an attitude of thankfulness. In fact, one good way, besides taking a shot without making three passes, to be sat on the bench is if the referee handed you the basketball and you didn't say thank you. Every time the referee hands you the basketball at the free throw line, if you're taking it out of bounds, whatever, you had to say thank you. Coach Wagner's idea was, his philosophy was, at the end of the game, when there's a tight call that could go either way, in the subconscious of the referee would be our, our, guy, our five guys on the floor who've been thankful the whole time, 
And we would get the calls when the subconsciousness of the ref could go either way. He believed in creating a culture of thanksgiving on the basketball court. Now, I don't have any hard data to prove that that was true, but I promise you we won way more games than we should have because we weren't really that talented. We had a great coach, and he created an atmosphere of thanksgiving on the basketball court. Now, you may not have ever heard of a coach who's done that before, but I have never forgotten uh, in all these years since high school, what, 32 years that I've been out of high school, my coach who made us express our thanksgiving to the referees. In fact, psychologists, they tell us today that sincere gratitude, thanksgiving, is the healthiest of all human emotions. Hans Selye, who is considered the father of stress studies, has said that gratitude produces more positive emotional energy than any other attitude in life. Maybe Coach Wagner was right. A thankful heart will endear us to others and others to us. Thanksgiving is not only for the giver, but also for the receiver. Now go to Romans chapter 1 quickly. Romans chapter 1. Could it be that the opposite is true as well? If, thanks, if thanksgiving is to be expressed, if a lifestyle of thanksgiving is going to overcome those attitudes that can keep, us, keep it from us, we've got to speak the thanksgiving out loud. We've got to say it. You say, what if I'm an introvert, Carter? What if I just don't talk that much? You still have to say it out loud. You still have to speak thankfulness to people. It may not come overflowing out of your mouth because you're naturally quiet as an introvert. And by the way, if you want some help in your relationships, you introverts and you extroverts, how many of you, your spouse is the opposite personality of you? Could I see your hands? That should be most all of us people, all right? If you're the extrovert, you need to talk 10 times less. And if you're the introvert, you need to talk 10 times more. And you guys will almost be together conversationally, okay? Just, just a side note there, that was free. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Romans 1, verse 21. Notice what it says. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. The, the passage is going to go on to say, and God gave them over to the consequences of their sin and choices. Now watch this. He's talking about lost people there, but let's take the principles and apply them to Christian people. If Christian people don't glorify God and give thanks out loud, we are going to fall under some similar consequences. Now in this life, it's called discipline, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no thing as purgatory anymore. It used to be a ski slope, but they changed the name over in Durango I don't know what it's called now, but it's not even a ski slope anymore, all right? There's no working off uh, the consequences of sin in eternity. So for Christians, it's here. God forbid that he give us over to the consequences of being thankless and not giving him the glory that he deserves, amen? Thanksgiving is to be expressed. The passage in Romans seems to apply the people who are ungrateful to God will soon fall away from fellowship with him. Well, our thanksgiving should be expressive. Number two, our thanksgiving should be expansive. Expansive. It should be huge. In Ephesians 5.20, it says, for everything. Sorry, that wasn't a Trump thing. That was totally, that was totally an accident. Is anybody out there this morning? 
Our thanksgiving should be expansive. Look at Ephesians 5 again, verse 20. It says, give thanks for everything. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, it says, in all circumstances. Give thanks for everything and in all circumstances. This includes the blessings of life, obviously, doesn't it? How many of you ladies or men, after dinner at night, you stand before a sink of dirty dishes and you lift your hands to the Lord and you begin to praise and thank him for the sink of dirty dishes? Anybody? You will when your dishwasher breaks down, won't you? You'll be thankful for the dishwasher. But that's a blessing, isn't it? That's a blessing. Did you know two-thirds of the world goes to bed without any food in the evening or at night? Two-thirds of the world goes to bed hungry every night. Two-thirds. Now, I obviously don't, but stay with me for a second. Two-thirds of the world goes to bed without anything to eat at night. Did you know most of the world, their problems would be solved where they live if they just had clean water? We've heard from missions before in our church, uh, Dave and Carol and, and the organization, they're part of and other organizations that talk about if we just dig a well, for about $10,000 in most communities, if we ju just dig a well, around that well will raise up a church and a school and a community where people quit dying from, uh, from, from everyday diseases that you and I are never hardly exposed to just because of clean water. Can you imagine that? I think the blessings of life that most of us in this room have should cause us to have a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Uh, and not just the blessings of life, but the, burden of, the burdens of life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 said, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. The apostle Paul knew what that meant, didn't he? He'd been run out of town, he'd been beaten, he'd been whipped, he'd been imprisoned. His friends had betrayed him. He'd found himself naked and cold and hungry and shipwrecked and stoned because of his faith. That's the guy writing this in all circumstances and in everything. He's the guy saying we ought to give thanks even in the burdens of life. Well, our, our, our thanksgiving should, should also include the benefits of life, not just the blessings and the burdens but, but the, benefit, the benefits of life. You ever find yourself really, like you can't get out of bed? You ever find yourself so burdened and depressed and despaired that you find it hard um, to get out of bed? We were at a conference a few weeks ago. Our staff, Pastor Jeff, took us to a conference and one of the pastors there, she was talking about um, uh, freedom ministry. And she was talking about when she was a youth pastor. And she was speaking to a, a room of a thousand teenagers. And she said, she thought it would just be a quick hitter. And then they would just move on to this whole big program she had planned. Listen to this, kids. She said to a thousand teenagers, if you need to be prayed over because you oftentimes at night cry yourself to sleep, just come down front. And she thought that her, you remember the story? Pastor, remember that story? She thought that her little team of altar ministry youth workers would be ready. Like 800 of the teenagers in the room of 1,000, mostly Christian teenagers, like church teenagers. This wasn't like an assembly that was free food and some athlete was preaching and the whole town came. This is the church teenagers. And 800 of them came 
down front and just overwhelmed the youth staff that night. If you find yourself crying yourself to sleep, quite often come down front. Listen, we're not trying to say that everything is peachy keen. And when you become a, a Christian, you don't get a magic pill and a magic wand and, and everything becomes perfect overnight. In fact, if you read the Word of God, many of the most godly men and women that He's given us in the narratives of Scripture had the most difficult lives that you can imagine. And yet, in the middle of that scriptural context, in the middle of the Apostle Paul's life, he says, stop, and in everything and in all circumstances, give thanks to God for the blessings and burdens and benefits of life. Now, this lifestyle of thanksgiving, as I said, is not going to unfold overnight. And if you find yourself in despair or depressed or crying yourself to sleep at night, just get some help. We're here for you. Our pastoral staff, all of our staff, our elders, our deacons, our life group leaders, we're here for you. If you can't find your way into a, a lifestyle of thanksgiving, it doesn't seem possible right now because of the depression and despair. We're here to pray for you and help you begin that process. Well, thanksgiving is not just to be expressed and expanded. Our, our thanksgiving really is expected. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18 as we finish. Our thanksgiving is expected. It says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Some translations have because. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As Christians, a lifestyle of thanksgiving and praise is expected. God expects this from us. It's the example of a growing, the example of a growing Christian. If you're two years old and you're selfish and whiny, and you cry every time you want something, and you scream at the people that love you the most, that's kind of normal, right? We call it the what? What kind of twos? The terrible twos, right? And my kids were advanced. They got the terrible twos at one and a half, and then they were really slow developing. They kept it until they were about four, all right, you know? That's to be expected, isn't it? Oh, they're hungry, they're tired, whatever. But if you're 42... And you're still whining and crying and fussing and complaining. And, and something happens at church or at work and you just hit the deck and start kicking your feet and you're pounding the floor with your hands. We're probably going to have you arrested, right? It's not normal. It's expected. It's normal for a growing Christian to have a lifestyle of thanksgiving. It's also the mark of a giving Christian. Did you know that? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. You are most like God when you are giving, according to John 3.16. I'm not talking about money. That's just one little piece. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You and I, in a lifestyle of thanksgiving, are most like God when we're giving. It's the, thanksgiving is a mark of a, a growing Christian, a giving Christian, and also a glowing Christian. A glowing Christian. Here's what I mean by that. Someone that attracts people to, to the Father. Someone that, you know, Jeff often says, <laughs> if you're saved, you might want to tell your face. Have you heard him say that phrase? You know, if you're saved, you might want to tell your face every now and then. That, that's what we're talking about here. Growing, giving, and glowing. There, there's a countenance and attractiveness. And I don't mean you're walking around with the painted on clown fakeness. We don't mean that, do we? 
What do you mean? You're more likely in a lifestyle with an attitude of thanksgiving, a culture of, of thanksgiving in your life and in your family and in your home and in your business and obviously in our church, we're more likely to attract people to the good news of Jesus, to the love of God, to the life-changing ministry of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. We're more likely to do that when instead of complaining and arguing and grumbling and always criticizing, when we live in a lifestyle and an attitude of thankfulness, of thanksgiving and of praise. I don't know where you are this morning. If Thanksgiving was just a formal day for you because you're living a life of Thanksgiving, or you may be on the other extreme where your relationships are pretty stressed out and pretty messed up because you don't have much thankfulness in your life. You take for granted the things of God. Some, some sociologists did a study a few years ago in Central Park in New York City. How many have been to Central Park in New York City? Anybody? Isn't it great? I wouldn't want to live in New York City, but it's a good place to visit. The Broadway shows are phenomenal, aren't they? And to get out and see all the touristy stuff and take the, take the, um, the buggy, horse and buggy ride through Central Park, it's just, it's just a pretty neat deal. But they dressed this guy up, it looked like a homeless blind guy, and they gave him a sign one day and it said, uh, I'm blind, please help. And he collected $4 that day. And in their study the next day, they wrote on a little bit bigger sign, it's springtime, and I'm blind. Please help. And he collected 40 bucks the day. And the only difference was what the sign said. But really the difference was in the people who read it, wasn't it? They looked at his lot in life, and they considered their own lot in life, and they were thankful for what they had, and they dug a little deeper on day two. Look, look around this room. <laughs> Anybody that gets up when it's cold and windy instead of staying in bed is probably a pretty good Christian. But are you living in a lifestyle of thanksgiving? I hope that you are. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and praise you today because you've told us that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but you've come that we might have a life and that, and that more abundantly. And Father, we pray that out of the abundant life that you've given us, that there would be a lifestyle of thankfulness, of thanksgiving, of praise. First to you, God, and to all the people in our lives who interact with us on a daily basis. God, may we overcome any family cultures of bitterness, of grumbling and complaining. God, may we overcome any pride or any other circumstance that keeps us from giving thanks in all things and for all things and in all circumstances. God, we know because this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. So God, we pray that thanksgiving would permeate everything that we do. We thank you, Jesus, that even though we deserve death and punishment and hell, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't give us what we deserve, but you gave us what we need. And that's the grace of our Father through your sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for saving us. And God, thank you that there's the pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, but until then, God, you want us to live a life of abundance in an attitude of thankfulness. And we pray that men and women and boys and girls who don't know you would be attracted to the love of God because of our lifestyles of thankfulness. God, we pray. We do thank you for the days off this week. We thank you for the times with our family and the things that we love in this great country. God, we pray that 365 days a year would be lived for your glory and for your honor 
with an attitude of thankfulness. We love you, God. If there's someone here who cried themselves to sleep last night, I pray they'd step out for prayer. If there's someone here who just is battling against depression or despair or just the attitudes of this world, the things of this world, and they want to be overcomers, I pray they'd step out and receive ministry and prayer this morning. God, if there's someone here who came as a guest on a holiday Sunday with one of our families, God, and you're telling them this is their church home, may they step out and join their faith with our, with our faith at the church at Bushland. God, this is your invitation time. Whatever you're telling us to do, we say yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?